Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. We're just chilling out down in the man cave, I think they call it, but we're good to be with you on this Friday. One of the first orders of business today that I want to make sure that we get out there, I'm going to hold for just a little bit until we get things flowing and we get people joining in on the broadcast, which will happen in just a minute. Uh, but along the way, good morning. God bless you. Welcome to this what do we have? A Friday morning and some incredible uh, weather coming our way, what we're hearing. So I want to talk a little bit about the weather, talk about yesterday's Supreme Court decision. Um, and you hear a lot of people on this 14th day of January applauding the Supreme Court for what they did against Joe Biden's forced mandates. It's sad that it even got into the Supreme Court. We're going to talk about that as well. And what's going to happen in the days following with the rejection of those force mandates by the Supreme Court and how the left are going to, uh, you know, manipulate through all of these uh, different courses. We'll see how things go. We're watching, and that's what we're called to do, to watch. And my God, are we seeing some amazing things. So we're going to do something very different today. We're going to take kind of a uh, a Friday morning um, path into one of the most profound biblical concepts and truths that is not being spoken of much, and all of our prior learning to what we have been hearing uh, needs to be adjusted. I I really believe that. I believe this is a time where the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the ecclesia, to all believers everywhere, you need to know these things as you approach the moment each and every day. So 
With that being said, the very first order of business today is I hope that my sister, Cindy Messman, is listening to us today. She is probably driving the children uh, to school in the buses. Cindy drives bus for the Northwest Arkansas, the, the public schools in Bentonville and, and all these areas. So uh, she's been doing it. She's an incredible bus driver. She's been a blessing to the children. Yesterday was her birthday. And I want to just say to Cindy, happy birthday to you. Uh, we had so many. We had Brother Klaus's birthday on Jan uh, January 7th. We had other birthdays, and we have more birthdays to come. January, wow, what a busy month for people being birthed. That would have put them right around, what, March? April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December, January, somewhere around March, April, springtime, right? And then the birthing comes in the winter, January. But anyways, to uh, Sister Cindy, happy birthday to you. And um, we're going to look forward to spending some quality time with, with you and uh, in the days that lie ahead. We have an amazing weekend um, coming up right now. We had intended and are still in prayer Dr. Gary Parkhurst will be speaking at the New Wine Ministry uh, gathering place this weekend on Sunday was the intended purpose, but we have this major storm coming in that everybody's talking about, and um, I'm not so sure how big the storm is going to be. Obviously, it's supposed to be a blizzard coming out of the northwest and making its way all the way down into uh, the, the southeast. Um, from what I understand, into the Carolinas. So it's supposed to be a pretty massive storm called Izzy, and uh, only time will tell uh, what this storm is going to bring. So we may be postponing Dr. Gary Parkhurst's uh, ministry at New Wine Ministry Church until following Sunday. We'll make that announcement uh, sometime today, and um, Pastor Gary comes from about two hours out. So uh, we'll have to see uh, what things are going to look like, and we want to make that decision pretty quick. So that's some of the local stuff going on here in Northwest Arkansas at New Wine Ministry Church, which, by the way, you're always invited to come. You ever wake up one morning, you're living in Arizona, and you say, you know what, I want to go to church today at New Wine Ministries. Get in your car, come on over. We're gathering six days a week uh, in this ministry. There's always something to do, and we're doing a lot of work up on the ark right now, which is fun and wonderful and preparatory, and we love that. And uh, we just stay in fellowship, keep doing what God tells us to do, waiting, uh, and, and just until we have any further instruction, we keep just prepare, 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 and that's what we are doing. So, having said that, again, Sister Cindy, she normally gets on there. She's normally on by now, and I don't know if she is or not, but again, happy birthday to you. Very, very special sister in the body of Christ, very, very special person, and uh, we so appreciate and value you, and the whole New Wine Ministry family really does. So God bless you. All right, so we have snowstorms coming in. We've got guest speakers, which isn't really a guest speaker. Uh, Dr. Gary and Kim, they belong to the New Wine Ministry family, but he's been an MD, a medical doctor, for 34 years, and he's written an incredible book from that perspective. And uh, if you go on Facebook, uh, you'll find the, the, the poster that our sister Miriam put out there, which is phenomenal. Um, so uh, we'll talk more about that. It looks like we're going to be waiting and hesitating one week um, so that this particular storm could pass over. And that'll give us more time to really uh, invite people to come because I believe in miracles and I believe in healing. 
and I believe the Bible supports it, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. And so as we begin our gathering around this broadcast, I want to read out of Luke chapter 17, kind of begin there today, and may the Holy Spirit guide us, and may the Holy Spirit really show us uh, the, the, this side of the day. You know, we talk a lot about the other side of the day, but we need to talk about this side of the day and uh, what you're going to carry into this moment, okay? And so Luke chapter 17, having said that, I want to get into the scriptures now, and I hope you have a, um, a, a, a Bible, a pad of paper, uh, a pencil or a pen, do some cross-referencing, take some notes, write down the scriptures, And let's talk about this very, very serious issue. And so it is in Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 20. And when Jesus, or he, was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, okay, so you got to get this picture in your mind. The Pharisees are surrounding Jesus, and they start making this demand of him. They want to know. Hey, Jesus, when is the kingdom of God coming? He answered them and said, The kingdom of God comes not with observation. The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo, here, or lo, there. For behold, the kingdom of God is is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. So let's take a look at some things here. Uh, First of all, about the kingdom of God. And in that particular verse, let's go to uh, this observation. We basically know what it's saying, but let's just be clear what Jesus was saying to them. And the word observation Oh, wait, 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 wait. I've got something in the background here. What do I have there? Oh, that's so funny. Okay. He said this. Jesus was saying to the Pharisees, because they're looking for the kingdom. When is the kingdom of God coming? When is the kingdom of God coming? They had a religious idea about the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, hey, The kingdom of God is not coming where your eyes are going to go out and say, oh, there it comes, or it's over there, or it's over there. It's not physical. It's not brick and mortar. And this is the answer to them. And and again, the truth is blowing away the religious idea. And so the religious idea is that a kingdom was coming, a king was coming, he was going to rout the Romans, and the kingdom of God would be like in the days of David, in the days of Solomon, where there was a kingdom and the people were united and they were a sovereign, independent nation, the kingdom of God among the Israeli people. Here they are. And Jesus said, that's not it. It's not the way it works. He said, the kingdom of God does not come with your observation, your optimi, your vision, your actual physical eyes will not see it. And it's neither going to be, it's over there or it's over there. And then he says something that's so revolutionary And here's what he said. Behold, the kingdom of God is with 
in you. The kingdom of God is within you. So I had a problem with this many years ago because my, my, my initial thought to the kingdom of God and what Jesus was actually saying is, was that the kingdom of God is within you, meaning inside of me. But then I heard some preacher long ago insisting that that's not what he meant. What he was saying to them, the Pharisees, was that the kingdom of God is among you. And it gave the impression that there was Jesus and he was contained or carrying the kingdom. He was representing the kingdom. He was an ambassador of the kingdom, which is true. And the kingdom was among them. But then, so for, you know, for a period of time, I just thought, well, okay, you know, the kingdom of God is among them. It was in Jesus and Jesus was doing all these miracles, signs and wonders and all these incredible works, which is a manifestation of the kingdom of God, the power and demonstration of the kingdom. So I kind of just stopped with the idea of the kingdom of God, you know, uh, ministering on it because there, there was a minor confusion in my thinking. So Let's look at it again. He says the kingdom of God. First of all, what is a kingdom? And the word kingdom throughout in all the scriptures we're going to be going through is the basilia. Okay? And that word basilia literally, properly means royalty. Uh, it means rule. It is speaking of dominion, kingship, power, royal power. So a kingdom is something that possesses a royal power, rule, dominion, authority, okay? And so when he's referring to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, he's referring to the royal foundation of power. He's talking about the kingdom, the royal power, the rule, the dominion belonging to God. So God's kingdom. Not the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, not the kingdom of Sheikh so-and-so. He's talking here about the kingdom of God. And they were asking when the kingdom of God would come. It was part of their theology, their thinking. It was something they had always thought about. But they thought it was going to be a very literal, physical kingdom that would manifest and appear around them and that they would be a part of it. They wanted to know. They were tired of probably the, the Romans ruling things. And so his answer to them again was... The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Now, the word observation, um, here it is. This is it. It's the paratheresis, which means, and this is interesting, the paratheresis, racis, um, rays of light, okay, understanding. And it means inspection. The kingdom of God does not come with inspection or ocular evidence, ocular evidence, the the optics, the ocular, the eyes, physical eyes. There's no evidence that you're going to see the kingdom of God with your physical eyes. In other words, you're not going to be able to see of God, say of God's kingdom, there it is, or there it is. So what is he saying then? If it's not to be inspected or saw or seen, uh, there's no evidence that you could see it with your eyes. Now remember, this was 2,000 years ago. He said, neither shall they say, lo, here or lo, there, for behold, the kingdom of God, the royal foundation of power, the rule, the dominion, the authority, the realm of God, the kingdom of God is within you. All right, so that word within 
is entos, entos, E-N-T-O-S. And guess what it means? It literally means inside, within you, in the midst of you, within you, or in your soul. It means inside. So the kingdom of God is within. It is inside of you. Now, I am convinced that the Pharisees that were demanding of him where the kingdom or when the kingdom of God would come, when Jesus was talking to them, he was saying to them directly, it's not that way. The kingdom of God is inside of you. In other words, here's Israel. Here, here's what's going on. And the kingdom that came with Jesus, he brought the kingdom with him. He's an ambassador of the kingdom. He is demonstrating the kingdom. He is manifesting forth the kingdom, but it's not physical. It's in all this power. And he was saying to them at that time, it's inside of you, Israel. The kingdom of God is here, and yet you can't see it because your eyes are blinded to some physical reality, and your religious thinking and your ideas are blinding you from the simple truth that this is a spiritual kingdom. But I do believe that Jesus makes it very plain that while the kingdom of God was in Israel, the kingdom of God had come in the person of Jesus Christ, okay? So we need to talk about the kingdom and, and how Jesus wants you and I, his followers, his disciples, his believers today, to operate in the kingdom. What, what the kingdom of God means to us today. What, what kind of an influence is it? All right, so we're going to get into that in just a little bit here. So the kingdom of God is within you. So let's begin a little word study or a little Bible study on the kingdom of God. And let me just say a couple of things right up front about the kingdom of God, because, you know, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, uh, there's, there's, this is very important to all believers. This kingdom of God message has something to do with every one of us, and we need to understand it. Uh, one of our favorite scriptures, and I'm just going to start it this way, I'm going to go all the way to the book of Romans, because I think that's a really fair place to start here. In Romans, and I believe it's chapter 14, uh, verse 17. So here I'm going to go to Romans 14, 17. Now, mark this down, and we're going we're to get all these scriptures. We're going to connect them and see how they are to operate in our lives, what we're to do with this message on the kingdom of God, okay? So here we have Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God, same basilia, same royal power, rule, dominion, authority. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. In other words, again, it's not physical, but here's what the kingdom of God is. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so here's a clue to the kingdom of God that was in Jesus. We know that when Jesus was baptized of John, that the Holy Spirit came on him in the form of a dove, okay? And he was filled with the Holy Spirit, with the fullness of the Spirit. And the Spirit began to train and brought Jesus into the wilderness. We know that. And when he came out of the wilderness after 40 days, he came in the power of the Spirit, and now what was in the Holy Spirit? The kingdom of God, 
The kingdom of God is in the spirit of God. The spirit is something you cannot see with your ocular vision. Okay, there's no ocular evidence. We just read that of the spirit. The spirit is invisible. The spirit can only be witnessed and seen by spirit. Okay, so what we know now, biblically, scripturally, concerning the kingdom of God is that it is not a matter of meat and drink, and it's not a matter of over there and over here. Uh, it does not come with observation, ocular evidence. We know now that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, having laid that minor foundation, let's go back and uh, let's go to Matthew. I want to get to Matthew chapter 6, because that's where the whole kingdom of God message begins in the whole Bible. I mean, there's nowhere in the Old Testament that this phrase, the kingdom of God, is mentioned in that form, the kingdom of God. So Jesus brought the revelation of the kingdom of God. When Jesus came onto this earth, he was in full possession of the kingdom because he was in full possession of the Holy Spirit. He had the fullness of the Spirit. So he brought the revelation of the kingdom of God, and he's teaching the kingdom of God. So in Matthew 6.33, here's a number of verses right now. He says this, a very familiar passage, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now, if you go back into that, what was he saying prior to that? We've read this before. He was saying in verse uh, 31, therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Remember Romans 14.17, the kingdom of God is, an, is not a matter of meat and drink. So he says, take no thought, saying what we will eat or what we will drink, or what, how shall we be clothed, for all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. So God understands we're human beings on this earth, and we have need of food, water, and clothing, and shelter. He says, I know all about that, but then Jesus said, don't, don't worry about that, don't go after that, don't take thought, but seek ye first. Let this be your priority. Let this be something you're looking for, not externally, not with observation, but seek in the Spirit, by the Spirit, first, primarily in your life on this earth, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because again, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. All right, so that's how Jesus began his conversation about the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 12, verse 28. Matthew 12, 28. Jesus said, But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, and here's the Spirit now, Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. So he connects the Spirit of God with the kingdom of God. If I cast out devils by the spirit of God, okay, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. So imagine, here's Jesus. He's casting out a devil out of someone, and he's saying, I'm doing it by the spirit of God, and because I'm doing it by the spirit of God, it's the kingdom of God that has come unto you. So again, what the kingdom of God was, was an expression of, of the works that were being done. So remember this. Now, in verse 
24 of Matthew 19. And what I would encourage you to do, and I think I'm going to encourage myself to do it as well, is always remember, I'm giving you verses, but you do the homework later. Write the verses down. Do a little study before it, you know, some passages, get the context. And then afterwards, get the context. I'm just giving you the center, the meat, okay, the prime cut here of the scripture. So Matthew 19, 24 says, and again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. So here he's talking about camels going through the eyes of a needle. He says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. All right, this is huge because we're talking now about entering into a spiritual kingdom. And he's saying that the rich man will have such a difficult time doing that because his possessions, the things he can touch, the things he has possession of, could interfere with his pursuit Seek ye first the kingdom of God. It can interfere with that pursuit because the mind and the eye is always upon the wealth. So he's saying, Jesus, that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. We need to understand the kingdom of God is something to be entered into. So you're listening to this broadcast right now. I'm, I'm here talking about the word of God with you. And we're hearing this message by the Holy Spirit. Now we're hearing that the kingdom of God is something to be entered into. And it's not physical. It's not over there. It's not over here. You cannot ocularly, you know, have any uh, proof that it's there. It's a entering into a spiritual reality. The rule of God, the reign of God, the royal power of God, the demonstration of God. And he's telling us that if you're rich, if your mind is on the worldly things, it's not so easy to do. Sometimes in the book of James, it says that the poor have the gospel preached unto them, and they are rich in faith. Because obviously, in order to enter into the kingdom of God, a spiritual reality, it's going to require real faith. And sometimes when we have everything we need, or that we can touch and feel and feel secure with, it limits sometimes our faith. It doesn't have to, it doesn't necessitate, you know, but it is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom, the spiritual reality of the kingdom of God. And again, this is the same conversation. Now, Matthew 21, 31. Matthew 21, 31. Uh, this is interesting. Whether of them two did the will of his father. He's talking about a parable of two sons. One was saying, he would do it, and he didn't do it. One said he wouldn't do it, and he did it. Uh, he says, "What of them did the will of his father? And they said unto him, the first. Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. And he's talking about the religious leaders of his day. The Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, the lawyers, they were having a very difficult time seeing the kingdom of God, even though it was in operation all around them in the healing, miracles, signs, and wonders that were being performed by the ambassador of heaven, Jesus Christ himself. And so he's saying that the harlots are going to have an easier time entering in. The publicans, the sinners, are going to have an easier time entering into, 
okay, that's what he said, or going into the kingdom of God before religious people. And sometimes the, the mind of religion is an actual obstacle to the spiritual reality that's waiting, not just for religious people, but for humanity itself, harlots and, and, and sinners and publicans. They will enter in, Jesus said, because they don't have all this religious stuff holding them back. They don't have any issue. You know, they just are going to recognize it by the Spirit. They're going to be invited into it, and they're going to step into the paradigm of a spiritual kingdom. Praise the Lord. All right, let's go on a little further here. I love Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Mark 1, 14. But before I go there, let me go back to Matthew 21, 43. Matthew 21, 43 says this way. Therefore, say I unto you, and how he's talking to the religious people of his day, okay, the religious rulers of the days of Jesus. He said, I tell you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. Now think about this. Here was God's original intent for Israel to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which in turn would have afforded them the spiritual kingdom of God for all their needs to have been met and accomplished and and the glory of God filling that nation. He said that you guys are rejecting the kingdom because you're rejecting me, the only one that could really give you the kingdom. Nobody else could give you the kingdom because it's through me that you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And that's the way it works. He said, so the kingdom of God is being taken away from you, Israel, naturally, and it's going to be given to a nation or a people that will do what? A people bringing forth the fruits. Now, what are the fruits of the kingdom of God? Well, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils, uh, speaking the word of God with unction and anointing, uh, declaring the purposes of God, walking on water, opening the eyes of the blind, opening the ears of the deaf, loosing the tongue of the mute, uh, causing the lame man to walk. These are fruits or evidences or proofs of the kingdom of God. And he was saying to Israel's leaders, you're not getting this. It's going to be taken from you because you've rejected me. But those who have received me, I'm going to give it to them. And they are going to begin to demonstrate the kingdom of God the same way that I have been doing it. Now, this is biblical fact, and you're going to see it in just a moment. The very same works that Jesus did are to be duplicated and doubled by those who have received the kingdom the Holy Spirit. And then they don't just say, I've got the Holy Spirit, and and that's it. They bring forth the fruits of the Spirit, the fruits of the kingdom of God, which is both characteristic, conduct, and character. Okay, so that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is divine attribute, it's character, it's conduct of an individual's life, it's a transformation, it's a change from the inside out, but it's also miracle signs and wonders, okay? The kingdom of God is an amazing kingdom. So he says they're going to bring forth the fruits of it. Mark 1.14. Mark 1.14. Now, after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, we know the word gospel is the good news, right? So if I were to go here and say, okay, the actual Greek word for gospel is the, it's a pretty interesting word, the euangelion, 
all right? It means the good message, the good news. And again, it is the euangelion, the euangelion. And so what did Jesus do when Jesus came? It says that Jesus came into Galilee preaching, declaring, speaking of the good news, the good message of the kingdom of God. What was Jesus' message? It was the message of the kingdom of God. And how are we learning about this kingdom now? It has everything to do with the Holy Spirit. It has everything to do with God's royal power, dominion, rule, authority over demons, over sickness, over disease, over all the work of the enemy, the kingdom of God. This was good news for people that were oppressed, demon-possessed, sick, broke, busted, disgusted. So the message of the kingdom is here comes a greater power, here comes a greater authority than what you've been under. You've been under the oppressive Roman Empire. You've been under the oppressive uh, demonic spirits of sickness, infirmity, disease. You have been an oppressed people. You've been a broken down people. You've been blind and deaf and you're sick and all these things. But I'm introducing, Jesus is saying, I'm introducing God's kingdom, God's power, God's royalty, God's rule, God's dominion over everything that's afflicting you. I am bringing you the message of the kingdom of God, and I'm bringing it, first of all, to release it among you so that you'll understand what the kingdom of God really is. So there's a releasing, a loosening of the kingdom of God, and this is what he came preaching, and it was really good news. Now, in verse 15 of Mark chapter 1, Jesus was not only preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, but he was saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now that phrase there, at hand, okay, it's the engizo, the engizo. It's being brought near. It's approaching. It's drawing near. Now what time was fulfilled? The time was fulfilled. God brought John the Baptist to preach the coming of the Messiah, who was going to wrap up the Old Testament law of Moses, he was coming to fulfill it, not do away with it. He was coming to fulfill it so that a new covenant could come. And he was declaring that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is coming because I'm wrapping one thing up and I'm releasing another and I'm bringing it. But it's for all who believe. All who believe will have access into the kingdom of God, which is a spiritual kingdom. It has nothing to do with you can see with your eyes. This is super important for all believers. So, Mark chapter 4, verse 11, Jesus said this about the kingdom of God. He said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. So the disciples, the followers, were having an unveiled reality presented to them. Their, their minds were open. They were receiving a secret of the kingdom, the mystery of the kingdom, the secret of the kingdom. But all the people around them who didn't get it, it was still a closed mystery to them. It was something they couldn't understand. They couldn't see. They couldn't perceive. They couldn't recognize and therefore could not enter into and therefore could not live in the context of that kingdom. Praise the Lord. So Jesus says in Mark 426, and he said, 
so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Now, here he's getting into the parables of the kingdom, okay? And we could stop and go through each one of them. Here he's talking about it. Let's just look at it. Mark 4, 26, he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knows not how. For the earth brings forth fruit of herself, first the blade and the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth immediately, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. What is he saying? The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed into the ground. Now, Jesus was talking about the good soil of the heart, okay? He said that the good soil produces 30, 60, 100 fold. The good soil. So when the message of the kingdom of God is sown into the good soil of one's heart, there will be an expression. There will be a manifestation of that kingdom. And he's saying this is how the kingdom works. First of all, it has to enter in through the ear gates. It has to enter in. It has to get down into the heart. And when the message of the kingdom is sown into one's heart, then out of that life will come forth a fruitfulness of some measure of that kingdom reality. Praise the Lord. Now, he goes on in uh, Mark 4, 30, he says, And he said unto them, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? So now Jesus, teaching on the kingdom of God, says, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? What's it like? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? All right. And then in verse 31, he said again, it is like a grain of mustard seed. Now, the mustard seed was known to be the smallest, tiniest seed. Okay. And he's saying that the kingdom of God is like mustard seed, something very small, a thought, a singular thought a singular idea, something very small that is introduced and gets into and down to the heart. And it begins very, very small, an understanding, an epiphany, a revelation, something very small. Just by the hearing of the kingdom, something happens in the person. It gets down into the heart. So he says, it's like a mustard seed when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs, shoots out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And what's he saying? The kingdom of God comes into a person's life in the good soil of their heart as a very small idea. But once it gets in there, it grows so the message of the kingdom is supposed to be a growing message, a message that is expanding, a message that is abounding, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. And we who are alive on this earth right now need to understand that there is access granted into the kingdom of God, and we're not just subjugated to this physical world of I could feel it, see it, touch it, the sense world. We are, in fact, have been called to walk in the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, and remember the Spirit is connected to the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is connected to the Spirit. So we have to realize right now, with all the insanity of seven-headed beasts and ten-horned dragons and 
uh, you know, leopards, bears, lions, and uh, Mystery Babylon, and all the, the, the stuff going on around the world. We have access into the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is to access us. And we carry the kingdom. We possess the kingdom, and we are possessed of the kingdom. Now, it begins very small with a small idea. Let's go to the next passage, Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 1. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death, till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. Now, what does that mean? That means that Jesus was coming to the end of his life on this earth. There were people standing around, hearing him, watching him, and he comes up with this, that I say unto you, there are some of them that are standing here right now. So there they were around him. They're standing by him. He said, they will not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. What he's referring to is in the book of Acts, when the Spirit of God was poured out on the disciples in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And when that, the Spirit came out, they received power. They went down out of the upper room. They prayed in other tongues. They declared the wonderful works of God. And all of a sudden, they're now manifesting the early ecclesia of the church. They're now walking in the power and the demonstration of the kingdom of God. And Jesus was saying there were people listening to him that wouldn't taste death till they saw that happen. And it did. And it happened. And they saw it just the way. They saw the kingdom of God come with power in the Holy Spirit. And that's why Peter was raising people from death. They were going to cities and turning them upside down. The power of the kingdom of God. Now, let me just interject a quick thought. We live in a day and an age 2,000 years down the road, and there are many people that the devil has used very seductively, craftily, to say that the Spirit of God no longer moves, the kingdom of God is no longer a present reality, uh, we're all just stuck here waiting for Jesus to come and bring the kingdom. That is called the doctrine of cessationism. And I don't know what man on this earth that thought he had the right to say that God's spirit doesn't move the way it used to move anymore. And I think this unbelief and the spirit of stealing and robbing people of their faith, that there is a present and ever-present kingdom available to anybody who will receive the Holy Spirit and will understand these things, even if it's a small thought, okay? So uh, the church has been warring against doctrines of demons, particularly in, in a couple of areas of cessationism. There's the Holy Spirit doesn't operate anymore. The fivefold ministry of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher doesn't exist anymore. They have basically just cut out all the powerful things of the kingdom. And this is unfortunate. You have to, we have to walk through this and pierce through this mentally and, and, and so on and so forth. So Mark 9.47, Mark 9.47, if your eye offends you, Jesus said, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. So what is he talking about? If your eye is, is viewing all these things that you could tangibly see, and it's offending you, these things that you see, 
It's also preventing you from recognizing spiritually the kingdom of God. So he says, if your eyes have a problem, pluck it out. If there's something in the way, pluck it out. It's better to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell. I believe that speaks of the present, and I also believe that speaks of the future. Mark chapter 10, verse 14. He says this, but when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. In other words, the disciples were telling the little children, get away from here. When Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, suffer or allow the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. How dare you? For of such is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is made up of those who are like children, little children. Little children have an innocence about them. Little children have the ability to imagine and make believe. Remember, we always have to make believe things. It's always not negative. He's saying the kingdom of God is made up of little children, but it's genuine. It's real faith to believe things that they can't see. One of the things that little children do is when they pretended and made believe, that's what we called it. But what they were doing was tapping into, with the energies of their mind, their imagination, into something that nobody else could see, but they saw. And that's how the kingdom of God is. It's made up of those who recognize the invisible kingdom and believe it's there and operate in it. It's, it's the kingdom of God is not a future reality. It's right here, right now, but without understanding that it really does exist by believing, <clears throat> excuse me, what Jesus is saying, you can't even begin to, so put it this way. You're in your room, you got your log set, and you know, your, your dolls, whatever you play with as a child, and you're, you're, you're pretending and making believe that there's people there, and they're talking, or you're building the road, and you're going, in, in that child's mind, that's really happening. The kingdom is made up of the same kind of faith, but it's real. It's not pretend. It's not make-believe. What Jesus was introducing, what Jesus was preaching, and is today, is a very real, active, and operable kingdom of God. It does exist. But you have to get beyond the brain of our maturity and get down into beyond the religion, beyond, you know, beyond all the technical into the organic spiritual kingdom of God. That's all he's saying. And then he said this in verse 15. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Oh, you Lord, are you talking about way off into the future? No, I'm talking about right now. You can only access or enter into this kingdom reality, this spiritual basilia, this rule, this royal power of God, the demonstrative dominion of God. You cannot access it unless you access it or enter into it like a little child. You have to believe it's there. You have to believe it's there. Jesus said it's there, so it's there. The royal power to rule and reign over devils and over all the works of the devil is there over sickness, over disease, over all things. It's there. But you cannot, if, you're just, if it's just in your head, and you say, that, well, that's technically what the Bible says, but you don't have the childlike faith to enter into it and begin to express it and walk in it and demonstrate it and manifest it and go for it, then it's, a, it's, it's just a 
dead, dead something that's inoperative in a person's life. You can't, you, you think about it, but you're not entering into it. And, and what is the desire of Jesus? That you and I enter into this kingdom reality. It's been here for 2,000 years, from generation to generation. And those that we call the great men of faith, they simply had enough childlike faith, innocence, to believe what God said is available, and they migrated into it. And they said, well, I may physically be on this earth, but spiritually I live in a kingdom that transcends this world and the demonic world. Isn't that awesome? Verse 23. Mark 10:23 said, Jesus looked round about and said unto his disciples, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. What is this thing about people that have riches or have wealth and have money and power with their wealth that it's virtually impossible? It's really difficult. How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Something about having this world's wealth, this world's material, does something to the spiritual advancement into a kingdom. And, and Jesus knows all about it. He said it a couple of times now. And he's warning them. And in verse 24, the disciples were astonished at his words, kind of like we are right now. But Jesus answered again and said unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? Wow. If a person's trust is, is in their wealth, they can't access the kingdom because they'd be afraid of losing something. But if we're willing to lose everything and enter into the kingdom, that's the true riches. That is very powerful. What do we trust in? The kingdom of God is trustworthy. Riches of this world could perish overnight. The kingdom is eternal. This world's riches and wealth are temporary. And if we're trusting that, it's, it's turning us away from the kingdom. So we need to let go of this. Thank God for whatever we have, but don't put trust in it. This is going to save me in the day of trouble. No, the kingdom is where the power is. The kingdom is where the glory is. In verse 25, Jesus said it this way, and we read it earlier, Matthew 10, 25, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. That's not in the future. That was their present condition. Let's go to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, verse 34. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, this is one of the lawyers came to him, what must I do to be, you know, saved? And he talks about the keeping the commandments. And Jesus saw that he answered discreetly. He said unto him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that dared ask him any questions. So they were questioning him about, you know, salvation. What must I do to be saved? I keep the commandments. And when he answered when Jesus had answered, asked him, you know, what's the great commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. He answered, well, he said, you're not far from it. You're not far from it. You're not far from the kingdom. In other words, 
you're getting, you're coming closer, coming closer. Not off in the future distance, but in your thinking. You're not far from it now mentally. You're not far from it with your faith. You're not far from it. You've answered discreetly. You've answered wisely. You're getting it. And there it was right in front of him. Okay? You're, you're not far from the kingdom. I wonder how many people right now that God would say to us, we're not far from it. Okay? You're getting it. You're not far from it. It's the next step. It's right, in the, it's right there. It's a whisper ahead of you. There's an access. There's an entrance. We're going to talk about that entrance here in just a moment. So Mark chapter 14. Well, let's go to Mark chapter 15. Let's get, get down here. Um, oh, let's do it. Mark chapter 14, 25. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Now, this is Jesus who had been walking in the kingdom, demonstrating the kingdom, uh, is now talking about uh, the future kingdom of God in the sense of the manifestation of what is right now invisible. So do we believe that there is going to become a visible manifestation of the kingdom and glory of God? Absolutely one billion percent we do but that does not negate the present reality of the invisible kingdom that you and I are being called to operate in and walk into. Mark 15, 43, Joseph of Arimathea. Now Jesus is dead, right? An honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and he wanted the body. So he was waiting for the kingdom in the sense of what most Jewish people were waiting for, the physical manifestation and yet the kingdom of God was already there in the person of Christ and in the work of the disciples, as we'll see here in just a moment. And this you got to love. This is Luke chapter 4, um, verse 43. Luke 4, 43, he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. Jesus Christ message to the world, first to Israel, was the kingdom of God. He came to tell the world about the kingdom, but he didn't just talk about it. He demonstrated it. And this is important because this is what the apostle Paul said. I don't, it's not about talk. It's about demonstration. So Jesus came to tell the world about the kingdom of God. And then when he was talking about it, he was showing it to them by the works that he was doing that were what we call supernatural and miraculous. He's telling them about the kingdom. He's demonstrating the kingdom. His desire was that they, you and I, would enter into the spiritual kingdom of God. Now, in Luke chapter 6, Verse 20, he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Yours is the kingdom of God. I want to run a little bit faster here. Um, I want to get, there's so much on the kingdom of God. There's so much. He sent them in Luke chapter 9, verse 2 to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Why? Because the preaching of the kingdom and the healing of the sick are interconnected. Um, 
verse uh, Luke 9, 11, the people, when they knew it, followed him, and he received them and spoke unto them of the kingdom of God and healed them that had need of healing. The kingdom of God, healing, it's all interconnected. Um, let's go a little bit further. There's so much, so much. I love this. In Luke chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus was instructing the apostles or the disciples. And in Luke 9, 60, 2, 9, no, let's go to Luke 10, 9. Luke 10, 9. There's so much. All right, so Luke 9, 62 says this, And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That's kind of like you're, we're all born in this physical world. All of a sudden, the kingdom of God is there. We put our hands on the plow. We're moving into the kingdom. But if we look back, kind of like Israel that had the promised land, it was a promise. They were going after it. But when they were in trouble, they looked back to Egypt and said, oh, the land of leeks and garlic and onions. And so, but Jesus said, anybody that looks back is, is not fit for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God must be entered into. You must, it's like a plow. Notice how he uses a plow. He who have putting his hand to the plow. The plow, you've got to plow through mentally, emotionally. You've got to see through it. And if you look back, you're not fit for it. You can't enter into it. Luke 10, 9. And Jesus talking to the disciples, he said, Heal the sick that are therein and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. Here Jesus is authorizing the disciples to go and heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead. I mean, you get into the context of what he's saying, and he's saying, go and do it, and then tell them, when you do this, the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. So the kingdom of God, not a physical nation, brick and mortar, king's palace, the kingdom of God is a spiritual truth of righteousness, peace, and joy, a kingdom of power, authority, dominion, rule, okay? Let's go deeper. Let's go deeper. Luke eleven twenty. But if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. So again, the kingdom of God the kingdom of God. There's so much. There's so much on the kingdom of God. There's so much. I love this. Um, in Luke chapter 16, verse 16, the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presses into it. Are you pressing into the kingdom? Those that hear the message of the kingdom, we press into it. It is through much tribulation in the book of Acts, how did he say it? It is through much tribulation that we enter where? Into the kingdom of God. Let me find it for us right here. And again, how much scripture do we want here, right? Um, let's see. Confirming the souls in Acts 14, 22. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation Enter into the kingdom of God. Now, here's an important passage. I want to go to John chapter 3, the gospel of John, 
chapter 3. And, and here, this kind of sums it all up, sums it all up. John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. So Nicodemus is on the right path. He's getting it. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. All right. He cannot see it. He cannot recognize it. He cannot perceive it. He cannot see it. It's, it's, it's beyond because, again, it's not the ocular evidence. What I see with my physical eyes, I'm t- I see all this stuff around me. He says, if you're not born again, you cannot recognize and perceive. You cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 4, Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Probably referring to himself. What do you mean? How can I be born? I'm above 50 years old, right? So how do I do this? Jesus said this in John 3, 5. Verily, verily, Nicodemus, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. The water, baptism, washing, and the spirit, being filled with the spirit, born of the spirit. And what happens if he is not, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Access into the kingdom is connected to the receiving of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit connects us, accesses us into the kingdom of God. In the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God is active and operable. And if the kingdom of God is within us in the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is in us, then the full weight of the kingdom The rule, the royalty, the power, the dominion, the authority of God is in the spirit, which is in us. And we are to be tapping into, entering into, seeing it, recognizing it with our spiritual eyes of faith. The eyes of our understanding, the Bible talks about. The eyes of our faith. The eye of our conscience. The ability to have a sanctified conscience to see the kingdom of God. It's just reality. It's what we used to call make-believe, pretend when we saw little children. Oh, they're just make-believing. Oh, they're just pretending. But they had access, and they were innocent. And this kingdom of God is reality. It's not pretend. It's not make-believe. Jesus preached it. Jesus demonstrated the authority of it. Jesus demonstrated, manifested the kingdom of God. Now, in verse 6 of John 3, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's what we all were. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Okay, so accessing, entering into, perceiving, recognizing, operating in the kingdom requires being born of the spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. 
Now, again, there was a doctrine out there warring against what it means to be born again. It's simple. If we're born of the water and spirit of God, and remember, out of his side came water and blood, and the water is the washing of the water of the word of God, the baptism, the baptismo, uh, the washing, and the spirit of God, okay, that's what makes us born again. When God's spirit comes in, it's the incorruptible seed that is sown into the good soil of our heart. The spirit of God brings it in there, and we, like a fertile vessel, are now bringing forth a manifestation of new creation. For if any man or woman be in Christ Jesus, he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. That's the beginning of a born-again experience. The born-again life is the, the reality that my old life is done away. I'm forgiven. I, the old-natured man, died on the cross with Jesus. The Spirit of God has come into my heart. I've been regenerated. I've been reactivated, revivified. I now have a spiritual resurrection. I'm enlightened and aware of the kingdom of God and, and, and the spirit of God. And I now listen to the word of God and I believe it's there and I access it and I plow through and I press into in my own life. I'm, pers- I'm pressing into what is there. And man, once you access it, whoo, what did the disciples do? They came running back to Jesus. Jesus. We were healing the sick, raising the dead, and even the demons were subject to us. Wow! We tapped into the kingdom. And he said, well, don't rejoice in the the devil's being subject. Rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Okay. But they were overjoyed. The fact that they got it, they actually tangibly held to the substantial power of the kingdom of God, and they saw it in their lives. You think maybe that's what God wants for you and I? At a time when we're being hit with viruses and diseases and and fears and slander and warfare and attack, and and do you think God wants us to just go, oh, God, I can hardly bear it, whoa, whoa. Or does he want us to go on the offensive and take the power of his kingdom and go to war against these things that are going on against the church? What do you think? What do you think? I mean, is, is the church the vessel through which God has entrusted his kingdom and spirit? And yet the church is not operating in this kind of power and authority? We are the reason why the world is in the condition that it is in, because we gave up the spirit and the kingdom for big stages, limelight, and the admiration of men. We didn't want to be told, oh, those funky Christians that pray in the Spirit and believe in God's kingdom. Ha, ha, ha. No. We kind of condescended out of the spirit realm of God, and we settled on earth, and we got the admiration of men, big houses, cars, jets, blah, blah, blah. And look at the condition of the world. The reason why the world is in the condition that it is in is because the falling away of the church, the falling away or the defection from the truth of the kingdom of God. The church has defected from the truth of the kingdom. 
And because they've left it, they wouldn't, their hand, they wouldn't plow through. They wouldn't get through. There was too much opposition. Man, I was having a hard time. I couldn't see it. I didn't pray through. I just couldn't get there. So I turned back to mediocrity and religion, and I got a church, and I started a 501c3, and blah, blah, blah. And this is religion. This is the church. And it's not. The church has fallen, and the few that are standing who have actually accessed the kingdom are absolutely ridiculed, demonized. I mean, they are made funk of. And that's really sad. That's like the devil saying to you, hey, if you start going after this kingdom thing, I'll make your life a nightmare. I will mock you and scoff you because I've already got people believing with me that this kingdom thing is nonsense. But what is the devil afraid of? The devil's afraid that there will be people that will put their hand on the plow. They'll access into the kingdom and won't be turned away. I know people that have started after the kingdom, believing, faith, fasted, prayed, and they got turned away. Something didn't work out, so they went right back to their unbelief, right back to where they were before. They didn't press through. Maybe God is calling you and I to press through. Maybe God is calling the church to press through. The problem is that we're now living in these end times, right? <clears throat> People talk about revival, harvest. The only revival that would ever be understood to be apropos for right now is a reviving of the kingdom of God in the life of every true believer. The kingdom of God is not only for those who are pastors or those who are preachers or the evangelists. The kingdom of God is for all who believe. And if there's going to be a reviving in your life or my life, it will only come through accessing the kingdom. But there are mighty powers at the gate resisting access and entrance. It only stays in someone's mind that it is there. But the effort being put forth into it, this is why God gave us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the energy that we need. It is the power that we need to get through. If we try to do it in our ecumen, and in our intelligence, and in our reasoning, and our thinking alone, we'll never be able to get through this satanic opposition. It is the Holy Spirit's power at work in us that gives us the energy for what does he say? Violent men take the kingdom by force. Where's that one at? Let's get that one. Let's get to that verse. Violent men. And what is it, what that actually means? So let's go. Violent men. Ooh, I love it. Uh, that's not the one I'm looking for. Uh, violent. Uh, violent. <clears throat> let's see if I can get it here. Here it is. So Matthew eleven twelve, it says this, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And there is a kingdom of heaven, too, we're gonna, we need to talk about as well. We're, this is all the kingdom of God. So he says there's, there's the kingdom of heaven that suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. The violent. The biastes, okay? The biastes means the forceful. 
the using of force, the energetic. So the word violent there is energetic, energetic. And how do they take the kingdom of heaven? By the harpazo. (laughs) By claiming for oneself. How are you going to take the kingdom? How are you going to enter into the kingdom? How are you going to see the kingdom? By taking for one's self. (coughs) Snatching it away. To seize it. So violent men, energetic, spirit-filled, born again, men and women of God, take the kingdom. That's powerful. That is so powerful. And I could go on. There are so many passages of the kingdom of God. For example, Acts chapter 19, verse 8. He went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for the space of three months. This is Paul the Apostle. Disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Everything the apostles were doing. Acts 20, 25. And now, behold, I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God. That's what Paul was doing, was preaching the kingdom of God. In Acts 28, 23, and when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. Verse 20, uh, Acts 28, 31, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. All the kingdom of God. And I love this, 1 Corinthians 4.20. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. This I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. No, it's spiritual. It's a spiritual kingdom. Okay, so there's a lot going on here. Everything is about the kingdom of God. Now, why is this important? The kingdom of God. Why is it important? The kingdom of God is important for you and I right now because of the battle that we are in. And if we try to handle mentally, emotionally, intellectually, trying to figure reason things out, when we are in the spirit, when we are in the kingdom, when it's accessed, There's power that's supposed to be flowing through us, whether it's resurrection life, resurrection power, casting out a demon, laying hands on the sick. It's all available. It's all there. The devil, the liar, the deceiver in whom is no truth, lies about this. He lies about everything. There's no truth in him. Anything that is truly of God, he lies about. He lies about anybody that belongs to God. He's a liar, a slanderer, accuser right? You're going to have to make a decision as I to access this kingdom. Even if you're 70 years old and 90 years old, it doesn't matter. You are going to have to make a decision when you know now that Jesus preached this kingdom, not a future physical kingdom. He preached a kingdom that is within you. 
a kingdom that is coming to you through the Holy Spirit, the same exact kingdom that Jesus brought into this earth and then gave to the disciples, and then by the laying out of hands to all who would receive the Holy Spirit would have access in the keys of the kingdom. The Spirit unlocks the kingdom, but it's got to get the veil of the mind out of the way, the veil of human reasoning, the veil of logic, the veil of physical thought. That veil has to be torn out of the way. If there's going to be power on this earth from the perspective of God, not mimics, not gimmicks, not make-believes, not spending billions of dollars in energy to try to get up, to try to get wind. No, if we're going to see the power of the kingdom, it's going to come through you. It's going to come through you accessing and then going in the power of the spirit in the sphere of influence that God brings you to. Whether it's your children at home, whether it's in the, in, in the soup kitchen, it's in the church, the kingdom of God. And when we gather together as an ecclesia, when the saints of God gather together, what we're looking for is an expansion of that kingdom that's already at work in us, personally, individually. It's working in us, life and peace and righteousness and joy. Oh, I love what the kingdom does. And yet it's also working through us, right? But when we come together, two or three, five or six, 12 or 13, 25 or 30, when we come together, the kingdom of God, the expansion of that kingdom, it grows like the mustard seed. It grows within us, but then when we're connected with kingdom people, real kingdom people. And the funny thing about going after the kingdom is it looks a little foolish and goofy, kind of like a child for the first time is getting on their two-wheeler bike they got their helmet on, and they're going, and they're wobbling, screaming, no, don't let go, Dad. Don't let go. That's what it's like. And so people see that and go, ah, it's goofy stuff. No, it's the training. It's, the, it's getting used to it. It's operating it. It's releasing it. It's allowing it to function. And sometimes it gets a little goofy. I mean, some of these movements out there had men on their fours with their wives walking them, and the men were barking, saying that was the Holy Ghost. You go to the airport revival in Canada, and what was going on? They were clucking like chickens. They were quacking like ducks. They were roaring like lions. There was this crazy man. He went to some churches. They were all laughing. You know, and it was so weird. And, you know, people like myself that want something genuine and want to actually access. I never saw the disciples go, and I never heard them clucking like chickens or quacking like ducks or barking like dogs, roaring like lions. You know, I mean, I get the idea of calling people to roar like a lion in warfare. I get that. But, you know, sometimes it's just weird. You know, they saw Benny Hinn out there with the, with the white suit and the hair and bleed, breathing and throwing his coat around and, and all this stuff was going on. And I know immediately people go, oh, let's demonize this tonight. It's just a little funky, but what we're looking for, don't let all of that turn you away because you're going to find out if you start to access the kingdom of God and walk in it, 
You're going to be looked at as a loon by your friends and family. You're a loon. What are you doing? Now, some people, they, 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 you know, they say they got it. They got the spirit. They got the kingdom. They got the gifts. But nothing they do really manifests anything. There's no manifestation. So for people like myself, we kind of stay back rather than operating in it, which is not always wise. But we do operate in it every time we preach the gospel, every time we lay hands on the sick. I mean, it's not that we're not functioning in it, but we're very careful. It's like it's the kingdom of God is like being given the riches to an empire. And what do I do with this? You know, there's so, it's so rich. Of value. But even if you blow it, even if, you know, you're not seeing manifestation, but at least you're going for it, don't allow yourself to turn you away. Don't allow the preacher to turn you away. Don't allow your friends and family to turn you away. If you actually believe in the kingdom of God, if you believe the Bible, what Jesus taught, then go for it. It's there. And who knows, once you access and what you allow into you, who knows what God can do through your life? He's looking for a few good men and women that will become vessels of anointing, vessels of the kingdom of God, right? So, how does the church today battle the forces of evil that are all around us? With guns, bullets, arrows, knives, bombs? Heck no. If that were the case, Jesus Christ would have walked through Israel with a sword and with some weapon. And he said, listen, I could call 10,000 angels right now to wipe you out. He didn't need that kind of power. The church's power is the spirit and the kingdom of God. This is where demons are bound, principalities are foiled, thrones are brought down low. I mean, if this is not our primary thinking and the church has gone down to, well, here's how we're going to survive. I'm going to get a gun and they're going to have a bigger gun. So I'm going to have to get a bigger gun, bigger bullets until we all get so, you know. That's not how the kingdom works. That's not what the church is here to do. The militant triumphant church was never designed to be strapped with a bunch of weapons and go to war. It was strapped with the weapons of the kingdom of heaven. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. But because the church has lost its power, has not entered into the spirit, nor the spirit really entered into them, for had it, There'd be a whole different ball game here, but because the church, people that believe in God and the Bible and Jesus, uh, they don't have spiritual power. So what do you think they're going to revert to? You betcha I'm going to get a gun because they're going to come for my family and they're going to come for my stuff and I'm going to blow them away. I'm going to shoot them in the forehead and I'm going to fight for what is right. I'm going to be a, a, a revolutionary warrior. Well, what's that going to get us? Well, it got America through a revolution, a nation. Yeah, look at it. It doesn't seem to work that way. And all that was in the revolution were seeds for the next one to come, which means a lot more people are going to die. I'm not opposed to guns, knives, bullets, baseball bats. I, I'm not opposed to any of that. I love playing baseball. But that's not the power of the church. That's not the ecclesia's power. And if that does become the ecclesia's power, primarily, 
no bueno. That's trouble. That's not even a real church. What am I saying here today? Wow. We're in war. We are in war. And the only way to win this battle is by stepping into the dynamic of the kingdom, being born again. If Jesus tells his ecclesia, go buy swords, take up weapons, and with my spiritual intelligence and my divine Holy Spirit, go fight. Like in the days of King David. Like in the days of the Old Testament where God led the armies and they fought with sling stones and with swords and with spears and with fiery balls being slung into the, the towns and cities. Go and slaughter young and old. Go and kill. If the Holy Spirit of the living God calls that into action, that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. But to revert to that because of an absence of the kingdom, my wife, Patricia, would always say, if somebody came into the house to hurt us, first line of defense is in the name of Jesus Christ. I bind you, take authority over that demon spirit operating in you. I don't care who you are. Whatever spirit is coming to do harm to God's kids, I rebuke. Well, we said, okay, that's really cool. But the backup plan is, okay, step out of the way. Now, bam, right? That's the backup plan. Well, what about, and this is the reasoning, this is the thinking. Do you know, when I moved here to Northwest Arkansas, this is going to be a little graphic, so please be careful how you hear. When I moved here, there were three intercessors when Patricia and I moved here. Three powerful intercessors, as we understood it. I met one that died. They were young. Something hit them. And when I walked into this area, the first, you know, I told you about the first 90 days of our existence in northwest Arkansas. First thing happens, first week we're here, the devil says to Patricia while she's driving down the road, get out of my territory. She said, what? And she's been in deliverance for over 40 years. The very next couple of days, we got here October 4th in November my father-in-law, Mr. B, at 92, was driving his Audi A4 convertible. He takes a wrong turn trying to find this gym. He was going to, to the gym at 92 to work out. He went airborne, hit a power pole, came down, crushed his head. They found him. Some Mexican guys took him to the hospital. We saw him. He went into a coma for seven days. They said he suffered a massive brain concussion. He's going to die. You need to get everything ready. He was in ICU. Patricia said, I didn't come here for my father to die in a car wreck. And she started interceding and praying herself. People came out of the woodworks, went to the hospital. One of his best friends, Elder George, would sit at his side every single day when nobody knew it. And people were coming in, uh, Scott and Carolyn Buss, they were uh, sharing their testimony, anointing him with oil. People were praying over him. It was absolutely amazing. He came out of ICU. He was brain dead. He couldn't talk. We would meet when he was in rehab. I'd put a nickel, quarter, dime, penny on the table. I'd say, Frank, which one's the quarter? He'd point to it. Which one's the nickel? He'd point to it. Uh, but he couldn't talk. And, but when we were done, he would take the money and sweep it into his pocket. And it was kind of, he was looking at me going, Vince, I'm here. Even though I can't talk to you, I'm here. 
Well, three months later, he came out of rehab, sat at our table at home, wound up living eight more years, came to church every day, got born again, received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. That was the first month we were here. Second month, my little dog, Max, gets poisoned accidentally. He dies in my arms. I leave him with the veterinarian. We're brokenhearted. I had him since he was six weeks old. Come to Arkansas. My dog is dead. They call us the next morning, say, hey, your dog's still breathing. He's brain dead. He'll never be the same. There was a German shepherd here last night. We did a blood transfusion, and he's breathing. Do you want him? Heck, yeah, we want him. We went up, we got him, and he was. He couldn't stand, walk. I had to feed him like a little baby with a tube. Took him to church, laid him at the altar. The musicians came down, anointed the dog with oil, prayed violins and harps. Max wound up living another 12 years. 12 years chasing squirrels, rabbits, whatever, barking. He, the only thing is he thought he was a German shepherd. He was 12 pounds, Shih Tzu Poodle, 12 to 14 pounds. He went after all the big dogs. He barked like a, and he ate like a German shepherd too. The next thing that happened, the first months we were here, I snapped my Achilles heel. I'm supposed to be helping my father-in-law now out of rehab. I snapped my Achilles heel, nine months in a boot. We're going, what the heck is going on here? Then these intercessors are dead. And then a very sad story. A crime takes place in Northwest Arkansas. A 70-year-old woman known by a friend of ours who was a police officer, extraordinary intercessor. People were working on her home. 11 o'clock one night, one of the workers knocked on her door. She recognized him, opened the door. He crashed into the house. He tied her up, hands and feet, and raped her all night long. To the degree he bound her hands, when they found her in the following days, they took her to the hospital. They had to amputate her hands. My friend Joe was telling us the story. We met him at the hospital. This woman is actually going to be coming to our church one day and sharing her testimony of what happened to her. She, she lived. And people say, well, how could God let that happen to people? An intercessor who loves God, a prayer warrior. And there's these questions go out. And these questions are designed to back us away from the spiritual power and authority. Well, she has spiritual power and authority if she was an intercessor. So why did God let that happen? Well, she's going to tell us in the testimony when she comes to share it at our church. But what about the millions of people who believe in Jesus, who are burned to death, set on fire, raped and tortured and beaten and killed and beheaded? What about it? What about it? Am I going to base my decision of what the word of God says to me upon other people's experiences? Maybe it's going to happen to me one day. Someone would say, oh, it never happened to me, and then it happens to people. None of that should even be considered, quite frankly. The only thing that should be considered by you and I is what this word says. And if there's a kingdom to operate in and then a price to pay for operating in the kingdom, okay. Jesus never said the kingdom of God is there and you're never going to suffer a day of trouble. His whole life on earth was being sought after to be killed. He was called a devil. He was called a demon. It wasn't, I'm in the kingdom, so I'm walking in this celestial power. Nothing wrong happens. No. He was running, hiding. Come on. He was taken to the cross. He was murdered for the sins of the whole world. 
He said to Peter, Peter, the day is going to come when you walk in the power and the authority of my kingdom. The day will come when you're older. They're going to lead you around to a place you don't want to go. In other words, John, by the way, John, after you operating in the kingdom, they're throwing you into a a bucket of of burning oil. They're going to mar you so terribly and then throw you on the island of Patmos. Uh, Thomas, you're going to be dragged through the streets of Greece, and your body is going to melt off of your 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 bones, your flesh is going to melt off your bones. Uh, you're going to be turned upside down on a cross, and you're going to be killed. And James, they're going to cut your head off. They're going to saw you asunder. Well, wait, we're kingdom people. We're kingdom people. Operating the kingdom now, and whatever happens, happens. It's not a negation of the kingdom. Go after it. Go after it. All right, I've been chatting here for a long time. I want to say good morning to anybody that's out there. The number to call, 818-369-0326. I'm going the extra half hour today. So if you have a question or comment about what you're hearing today, we'd love to hear from you. Again, 818-369-0326. And the uh, chat room, let's go over to the chat room right now. Remember to press 1 on the dial pad if you call in. I see Brenda Torville was with us this morning. God bless you, Brenda. Uh, Phil Buswell, good morning from Bella Vista. God bless you, Phil. Cindy Messman, good morning, Pastor Vincent. And Cindy, happy birthday to you. God bless you in Jesus' name. Uh, Shirley Woolsey, good morning, church. Praise the Lord. My God is a healer. He certainly is, and he, he's in you. Amen. Um, Charlotte Gotch, good morning, Pastor. Good morning to you, Charlotte. Good to see you with us today. Megan Cotton, good morning. Good morning, Megan. Brian and Kathy, all the way from Hawaii. Good morning, everybody. Good morning to our missionary friends. God bless your journey into the United States. You're already there partially, but into Tennessee. World of Nobody, it's Terry Jean again. Good morning, Pastor. Good morning, Terry. God bless you. And Terry, if I'm not mistaken, you are the individual that visited us last week. Yes, my dear. Revelation 310. (laughs) My wife just looked at me, Patricia. She had these eyes, and she had this look, this Italian look. I said, what? She said, Revelation 3.10. So we're going to read it before we go. So Terry, uh, Gina, good morning again. Dennis Sossaman, Pastor Denny, blessed are those that believe without seeing. Amen to that. A man of few words. Melissa Fletcher, good morning. But impactful words when they come forth. Thank you, Pastor. What a blessing. Uh, Dennis, uh, Melissa, Pastor Melissa, God bless you. Pastor Melissa, we need to chat. I talked to Robert yesterday in Minnesota, and uh, I think we should have a conversation it's a good one. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Charlotte Gotch. Good morning, Brenda Torville. And then Brian and Kathy said this. They said the continued pursuit and accumulation of wealth requires a focus on me and mine. The more one gets, the more energy and focus it takes to maintain it. The kingdom of God requires our willingness to let wealth flow through our hands like water. Still, the problem is not wealth itself, but the growing obsession with self. Okay. All right. What a great instruction. Can't wait to hear Brian and Kathy share in a, in a living room in one of our homes one day in Bible study. Uh, so Terry Gina saying, no, sir, only online called a couple of times. Okay, Terry. Uh, we had a, uh, an individual visit us last weekend. Her, her name was Terry. We didn't, I just don't know, but um, I'm glad to know you, Terry. God bless your heart. Great comment, Brian and Kathy. Um, your thoughts about the kingdom. <clears throat> Have you been subjugated to concepts and ideas that have robbed you 
of accessing the kingdom of God for yourself? Have you been told that's foolishness, that doesn't exist, this is cessationism of the Holy Spirit, that's not for us anymore, that was only in the church uh, of the apostles? So it's like the devil saw the power of the, uh, the apostolic anointing. He saw the power of the kingdom of God beyond Jesus Christ within the ecclesia. He said, man, we got to stop this. we got to stop this because if this goes on from generation to generation, my kingdom on this earth is done. So he started lying to the church. Oh, there are no more apostles and prophets. Hmm. Oh, the Holy Spirit doesn't do that anymore. Mainline denominations, cessationism, no more Holy Spirit. And you look at the condition of the world. In the days of the book of Acts, they were turning cities upside down. They turned the whole world upside down. The Lord was exalted. The kingdom was manifesting everywhere. People were getting filled with the Holy Spirit and then operating within it. It was easier. We're 2,000 years down the road. Can we ask the Holy Spirit today to come afresh and new into our hearts with the understanding that when he comes, he brings the kingdom, and that through us he manifests forth and demonstrates the power of that kingdom? Can we do that? Why not? Why not? Praise the Lord. Well, it is Friday. Big, bad Izzy is coming. Give us time to settle down and think through the weekend and enter into a Shabbat Shalom. Enter into a Sabbath rest tonight when the sun sets. Enjoy the weekend. If we're not snowed in, we'll gather together at New Wine Ministries Saturday at 5.30, Sunday at 2 p.m. By Monday, all the snow will be gone. Life will go on. We are in the first two weeks of January, and the Spirit of God is calling to you and to me to make the kingdom of God a priority in our lives. This may be likened unto returning to our first love. It's an effort. It is an effort because there's so much opposition to it. Mentally, emotionally, demon spirits. This is, they've probably been commissioned for 2,000 years. Do not let anybody get it on this whole, this kingdom of God thing with the Holy Spirit. Twist that whole thing. But don't you be turned away. Fast. Jesus fasted for 40 days and came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. Fast for what? For your faith to grow, your eyes to open, your mind to clear out, focus, pray. Lord, I want to know about your kingdom. I desire your kingdom. Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. I better do this or I won't get any spaghetti tonight. Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. Because you have kept the word of my patience... I also will keep you from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. I just read Revelation 3.10. You know, mamma mia. 
Mamma Mia, I'm reading it. I say that lovingly. I'll read it again, Revelation 3.10. Because you have kept the word of my patience, I also will keep you from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. What Patricia is wanting you to know is that with all the gloom and doom that's coming on this earth, it's already here and a lot more coming, access the kingdom, keep the word of his patience, be one of the real ones, and he promises, I will keep you. Her scripture here is in reference to the intercessors that were killed, to the prayer warriors that were hurt, to people that have died. She's talking about, she's wanting to encourage the body that's listening of a divine protection. And it is true. God can and will preserve those who belong to him. So we're in all good agreement with that. I need prayer, says Terry. Fell out of the truck, three feet to ground, hurting, please. All right. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for Terry Jean. We thank you, Father God, for healing Terry. We thank you that whatever has happened to his body, in the name of Jesus Christ, that he be healed, that you would bring alignment to his body, and that the Holy Spirit of God will chiropractically adjust him supernaturally according to your spirit, Father. We ask this in Jesus' name. That's so strange, Terry. I met with a brother yesterday, a friend of mine. He said he was carrying something, and he fell and hurt his back and uh, got healed immediately. Got healed immediately. And so be healed, Terry, in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. May all that kingdom, <clears throat> may all that spirit of God that we've talked about today come rushing into your physical body, bringing healing and restoration in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. <clears throat> we've got a call coming in from a rather unusual number. I don't remember this one. Area code 815. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Good morning. Good I morning. just wanted to say how much I just wanted to say how much I was enjoying your program. I just found it. Uh, I also I'm also on blog talk. And I oh, love good. the title, Catching the Heart of Jesus, because that is what I, I, my main goal is I don't want to see anyone lost. I don't want to see anyone miss Jesus. No one should miss Jesus. Hell was not made for man. It was made for the devil and his demons and angels. No one should go there, but so many are going there that don't really realize. You know, as a pastor, I'm a pastor. And so many have said to me, I'm going to hell. I don't care. They don't really know what hell is. So I see what God means when he says his people perish for a lack of knowledge. Even the ones that know him don't know him as well as they should. So we need all to spend time in the word and get to know God. That's the greatest relationship, the greatest love we will ever find. So I just want to let you know that I was enjoying listening to you. Well, thank you for that. And let our listeners know where they could find you on Blog Talk Radio and kind of listen to what you're saying. I, I have a writer's program. I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm also a Christian romance writer, and, and I have the writer's world. But I talk about a lot of different things there. I, I talk, you know, I do stories and everything. But I'm the Lord has been impressing me very much lately, and so I'm I'm going to work up a program uh, about uh, with the pandemic and so many people dying. So many people are concerned about what's going to happen to their bodies. Everybody wants to live forever, but unfortunately, nobody can't. 
only Christians. We will all live forever at, in the next world with God. But so many don't know that. They think this is all there is. And so I'm going to work up a program, you know, talking about, you know, life after death. Because man is so concerned about preserving himself. We choose so much in the world. We, you know, we try to make a heaven on earth, which we can't do. Because sin is the reason that the world is messed up now. And so man is trying to prolong his life. They do everything to keep themselves, you know, even with this virus, they do everything to keep themselves healthy. But eventually you have to think about your mortal soul because one day it, it, it's, you know, you're going to give account to God and that soul and spirit is going to go back to the Lord who made it. And so you need to know where you're going. So God's been impressing me to talk about that. People don't want to talk about, you know, leaving this world, dying. But Jesus, Jesus had to die. He died for all of us. Now, many people will die for their friends or for their family, but who would die for the whole world? So people need to understand about death. And the Lord has really you know, enlightened me on that. I just lost my, well, I've, I was from a family of six, and I've lost all but one. Just my sister and myself were left. And uh, most of the, uh, three of the sisters were pastors. And um, my brother, you know, he he wasn't, but he got saved about a month before he died. Praise God for that. My other sister is a doctor. She's saved, and but her children are not. And so, see, there's so many people, you know, and some have turned from Christianity to Islam. And my sister, who's a Christian, has been trying to talk to her daughter, who's not a Christian, who used to be, and she got mixed up with this guy. But see, I'm saying that so many people, they need to realize who Jesus is. You know, that that's the greatest relationship, the greatest love. Who would die for you? And that's what people need to realize. But I just want, I don't want to get into me talking, but I just, you know, I love the title of it, Captain the Heart of Jesus. That's, that's what we have to do. Jesus has already captured our heart. He, he loved us from the very beginning. He knew us in the womb before we were even born. And, but to love Jesus, that's the greatest love anybody will ever have. We need to understand that this world is not all there is. One day this is going to be gone. It's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Christ is coming back. You know, so, but I just want to let you know, you know, that I'm enjoying, I was enjoying the program. I just was looking at some things on here today on Blog Talk, and I ran across yours and another one. So when I see things that interest me, that speak to my heart, I'll always say something, because I believe in inspiring people to go on and doing what they're doing for the Lord. Because that's what we're here. We're here for a season and for a reason, and that's to glorify God and help others know him as their creator so they, too, can receive salvation and one day live with him forever and forever. So that's all I wanted to say. I'm well, Pastor thank you Janet. for saying And you're Pastor Janet? Yes. Okay, so Pastor Janet, I absolutely love that. You know, my wife, Patricia Joy, Janet, has been in the deliverance ministry for over 40 years. And she wrote a book called oh. Deliverance, the Christian Bill of Rights, and has operated mm-hmm. in the power of the Spirit for a long, long time. And uh, heartbroken mm-hmm. that there's so little uh, evidence of the kingdom of God in operation in the lives of many believers. Um, but yeah. we're, we're laboring, laboring, laboring. Maybe, um, maybe if you stay in touch with us some, sometime, you all can connect and have a conversation. It sounds like it would be a, a very wonderful conversation. And I admire you, and God bless you for allowing yourself to be called that pastor, Janet, because in the doctrine of cessationism and legalism and Pharisaism, uh, you know, there are no female pastors kind of thing, and that's just like yes, uh, no point. Yep, you know, I've had people tell me that so many times, you know, and I always come back and tell them, you know, like God said that he sees neither male nor female. You know, he and, and the first person that ever preached the gospel was Mary Magdalene. She ran to hey, tell everybody he's alive. He's alive. 
Amen. God is a good God. I write Christian romance, and in my books, which are on Amazon, they all talk about showing the relationship with God. And, in fact, I have a series. You know, I have, I'm starting a series that's called The Professor, and it's about his, about Jesus, which is, the, uh, in my stories, he's called Joshua, Joshua Shaday, which means God Almighty, you know, in Hebrew. And so I am having different counts of people who, who are meeting Jesus and how he has transformed their life. My first book was Jairus' Daughter, how she first met the Lord. And then my second book is A Journey of Faith, how she went to Israel to serve the Lord and how she met, you know, things, a lot of problems and stuff in Israel that she never thought she would find in the land of the Bible, you know, demon spirits and stuff. And she found out everybody that said they loved the Lord did not really love the Lord. And so I'm starting this series now, and that's I'm writing my books for people to get a good idea of getting to know God, a person relationship. It is a person relationship. You know, it's, when you come to know God and accept it, he's come into your heart. He said if he knocks at the door of your heart, if you answer, he'll come in and make it the door. I mean, he's going to stay. He's going to live there. He's going to live in you. And that's what you have to realize. You're never alone, even though you may seem like it. But I don't want to take up all your time. You may not seem think you're alone, but you're never alone. God said, so what happens in life? You never know. God never left, you know, his father never left him. He prayed to his father, and now we have to do the same. We have to pray to to uh, God through Jesus, and that's what we do. We we get closer to God. As we, God said, draw nigh to me, and I will draw nigh to you. Amen. Amen. I hear your heart. Boy, you're just a, a fountain overflowing. God bless you. If somebody wanted to get a copy of your book, if somebody wanted to get a copy of your book, yeah, they're on Amazon. My name is Pastor Janet, J-A-N-E-T-M, period, Sears. You like the word fear, S-E-A-R-S, at an S at the end. And my books are all there, but the, but my Christian books are Jairus' Daughter, Talithia Kumar, The Little Girl Lives, and then the second one is uh, Jairus' Daughter, The Sequel, A Journey of Faith. And I've got good reviews on that one because it really shows how her life changed and the things that happened to her meeting Jesus. And then how she went to live for him and work for him in Israel. Beautiful. I love it. Okay, we'll make sure we get that out there. Pastor Janet, it was an honor. And thank you for calling into the broadcast. We appreciate it. God bless you. And God bless you. And keep up the good work for the Lord. Thank you. Shalom. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Well, there. I love that. Um, It's funny. That's funny. Funny, wonderful. I love it. Pastor Janet. Fears. You can find her online, maybe get a copy of her book. She said romantic book, maybe on a snowy day with your loved one. Who knows? All right. I think we're good for right now. And uh, to everybody that tuned in today, God bless you. Thank you so very much. Would like to encourage you if you would like to sow into this ministry. There's a couple of ways you can actually do that. And um, one of the ways is sending a gift to P.O. Box 100, Decatur, Arkansas, 72722. It's on the screen. P.O. Box 100, Decatur, Arkansas. I want to thank everybody for your support of the ministry. Thank you for partnering with us. It is quite an encouragement uh, for those of you who do. It means a lot to us. Thank you so very much. And we want to encourage everybody, please step up, help out, prayers, giving of every sort. We pray that our ministry is a blessing to you. And again, I want to leave the broadcast today with a very, very happy birthday to our sister, Cindy Messman. Cindy, happy birthday. May God bless the year ahead with all good things. I know he will. All right, we love you all. Have a super blessed couple of days. Lord willing, we'll see you on Tuesday 
right here on The Watchman. I'm Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Have a blessed weekend. Shalom.